Recording in progress. Welcome to the second season of the Now Strategos podcast. Strategos is a Greek term which roughly translated means generalship and it is part of the origin of the English word strategy. My name is Britton Jacobson. I own a few entrepreneurship endeavors, work a full-time W-2 job, and enjoy learning. I appreciate you being here. Let's get into the episode. Um, awesome. Well, then we can just dive in and start chatting yeah. about Rella. Um, okay. Well, thanks for coming back and being awesome. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank so <laughs> I wanted to ask about, so I, we covered it a little bit in like the first, first time we chatted, but I want to ask, get in a little bit more into the Rella side of things. You reached out to Natalie randomly, or were you specifically trying to work with Rella? Like what was the connection there? Yeah. So it was totally random. Okay. Um, and her and I laugh about it now. I actually have an episode with her on my podcast. Um, I think it's episode 26. Um, and you can go back and like hear us talking about how it all <laughs> went down. Cause it's actually really funny. Um, but no, it was completely random. So you know, January, 2020, I started working as a student attorney in the community economic development clinic at my school. And it was really the time where this was the halfway point of law school. So a year and a half ago, and it was kind of, I realized like, okay, I do want to do social media and as a lawyer, I want to be an influencer and a lawyer. How can I combine these two things? Like, this is what I want to do, but I don't know what that meant. And so my professor, he asked us, to rank from one to seven, the types of work that we would be doing in that clinic. And it was like, um, business entity formation, mergers, acquisitions, nonprofit work, etc. And then he was like, in addition to these one through seven, I want you to tell me, cause we would meet once a week. Um, like as a, he is, we were attorney. So he was our partner. He was a supervisor basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we would meet once a week and he was like, the first one I was like, I want you to tell me what do you want out of your experience in clinic? What kind of work do you want to do? How can I make this experience the best experience for you these next four months? And I was like, I think I want to do this. Like, I don't know really what that means. It's super, super new. Like at this point it's new right now. So imagine a year, half ago, like didn't even really, like wasn't a thing. And he was like, okay, like, I will see what I can do. Like, I, I think that's really, like, a, I, I, I see your point. Like, I see where you're going with this. And like, I, I, I see it. Like, I can, I, I, I'll see what I can do. And he's a fairly young attorney, you know, mid forties. So like, he, he's like, he got, it. he was like, okay, like I, I can kind of see why this is something that you'd be interested in. And, and, and I assume that this is like social media businessy stuff. So well, the clinic was just business transactions. Like yeah. I was working on a nonprofit merger slash dissolution, like on the side. That was okay. like my main project that semester. And then he was like, I found a trademark client for you. Okay. And she's an influencer. And I was like, okay, like, sure, let's do it. Um, so I got licensed under the USPTO, the, the trademark and the patent and trademark office, um, as a student attorney. And I was working on filing trademark applications for my client and, you know, communicating with the USPTO back and forth, making sure all the specimens, like the examples basically, and, you know, making sure that 
she had everything she needed to get the trademark filed, which I'm pretty confident that it went through. It's, it's a very long process. So by the time I was done, it was still ongoing, but he has told me that like, we had no issues after all. And like, I think either we're still waiting for it to be public, like to be um, publicated or it already was, okay. um, which is cool. And we laughed about the other day. He was like, what client did you have again? And I told him and he was like, oh yeah, I remember that. Day. Like good, good old days. Um, but yeah, so I'm really grateful for him. Honestly, he has become one of my mentors and like truly one of my really good friends. Like the weird thing about law school that people don't tell you, which is there's a lot of things they don't tell you (laughs) is, which I have a whole podcast episode on that too, is that your professors aren't, it's not like high school and college where it's like, they're your teacher and you never see them. Like, unless you're in a small town, you typically don't see your teachers outside of school, right? In law school they are your colleagues. Like when I graduate in May and I am done taking the bar come September, if I were to practice in a courtroom or in Tennessee, cause I'm not going to be in Tennessee, but let's say I stay in Tennessee, 90% of the time, one of my professors or someone that was a faculty in the building at the time that I was there might be against me in court or might be on the other side of the deal. Or like perfect example on Saturday night, I went to a gala, a scholarship gala for my school most of the people there were alumni and professors and they were all looking at me like I was already an alumni. They're like mm-hmm. one of my professors from one all year that like literally I met her before I had her as a teacher because I was crying hysterically in the hallway. I was having a really bad day. And she's like, do you want a cookie? Like, do you need a hug? <laughs> and I was like, mm-hmm. like, I don't know who this lady is, but mm-hmm. and we became really good friends. And she was like, you know, every time I see you in the hallway, you're always so positive. You're talking to someone you're so like willing to help everyone. Like, I love looking at you and like seeing how far you've come. And I was like, really, I thought all you would think of is that one time the hall. She's like, that's not ever what I've thought of you. Like that doesn't even phase me. Like, I remember that you, that was you, but like, no, I, that's not what I see when I look at you. And she's like, it's crazy. Like your class has gone through so much while you've been in law school. Like, look how far you've come. And like, what are you doing next? Like in the, like post-grad, like, how have you been? Like, she was asking me all these questions and I was telling you, she's like, that is so exciting. I'm so happy for you. Like, I'm so proud of you. I can't wait to see everything you do. And like, I can't can't wait to have you come back to talk to current students in the future about everything you're doing. And it just felt really, really good to hear. And like, so um, these are your colleagues. These are your friends. Like these are people like the faculty in the building. They are so close. So how does this tie back into, uh, to Natalie? Yeah. So all that to say, when I first started thinking like I want to do social media and I want to do social media law. I was telling people at school, like not so much my classmates, they're not as supportive, but like my faculty and staff, like I would talk to them. I would get coffee dates with my professors because you really want to foster these relationships because they're your colleagues, they're your friends. And I would be telling them like, that's super cool. Like, how are you doing that? How can I help you? Please let me know. Like, oh, I know someone who does this. It might be related. I know someone who does this, like entertainment law, sports law, blah, blah, blah. And my friend goes to a different law school than I do. And she's, she was the vice president of the sports entertainment and fashion association at her school. And they put on a symposium and one of the days of the symposium, which is like essentially like a fancy way of saying a webinar. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, normally it would be in person, but COVID it was online. So I got to join because I wasn't in Florida. So like, otherwise I would not, like they had one last week and I 
wasn't able to go, which I'm really sad about because it, it seemed like it was a really good event. And some, it was like all about the metaverse. But this one was a lot to do with some like sports and entertainment law. One day was dedicated to influencers, one panel. And I was like, can I join? Can I join? She was like, yeah, like it's on Zoom. Like, please join. And I'm so grateful that I did because I met someone there who she was a lawyer at an employment litigation firm, big law. And she left to pursue a career as an influencer and an attorney for influencers because she was making more money on YouTube and people were coming to her like, Hey, you're a lawyer and you're also an influencer. I feel comfortable with you. Can you help me with this? She was like, Oh, okay. Like people are coming to me like, and I'm already making a lot more money doing YouTube than I'm making at a law firm, which is absolutely insane. And she's like, yeah, I'm going to lean into this. So she did. And so I was like, okay, someone's doing what I want to do. That like lit a fire under me. And I ran to Eric, my professor. And yeah, also weird because some of your professors, you can call them by their first names, which is very strange. But like, yeah, so I went up to him and I was like, I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you. He's like, what happened? He like, there was a lot going on in my personal. So he was like, what happened? And I was like, no, it's a good thing this time. And he's like, okay. And I told him and he was like, did you reach out to her? And I was like, yes, I bet she hasn't answered me. He's like, did you follow up? I'm like, I'm giving it a few days, but like, I'm going to. And he's like, follow up and see what happens. Let me know. So I follow up with her and she answers and she's like, let's hop on a zoom. We hop on a zoom. And like, she's like, tells me how she kind of like what I just told you, like how she got into this. And I was like, okay, like, this is what I want to do. This is the path I want for myself. And so I told Eric that, and he was like, I'm really proud of you. Like, this is exciting. Like this could be a job for you post-graduation. Like you don't have to, you don't want to do the law firm route. You don't want to do what your classmates are doing. And that's okay. Like this is someone that will give you the opportunity to do the things you want to do. And you don't have to go off on your own, but you also need to build credibility you need to establish yourself as an authority in this topic because it is so new. And also because I didn't have the grades. I don't have good grades. And by good, I mean, I am a C plus student, but in law school, that's the bottom of the class, um, which is a whole other story. But anyway, he's like, you don't have the grades. So you need to establish yourself in another way. You need to be published. You need to be a published author and you could write your expository, your graduation thesis on this let's brainstorm let's work on this all year come up with a topic propose it to the school and like let's see what happens so it was like a series of like fortunate events like a lot of things just started kind of falling into place and he was like all right let's like what are you thinking like like, give me a list and we would meet back and forth we came up with the idea of social media and the law and how they work together And that was like the very broad topic initially. And it changed 400 million times. But around June, I was working at an insurance law firm and I hated it. And Eric was like, I need your proposal by this date, like the official one. And I was still brainstorming. And like, as I was coming up with the proposal and like reading books and doing research, like the topic kept changing. And I was like, I I'll I'll get it to you by then. Like I'll get it to you by then. And we met one time over the summer on zoom to like talk about it. And like, it still changed even more. And I was listening to a podcast. I don't know whose podcast. And Natalie was the guest. And I was like, she's my age. She went to college, got a degree, was working 
and also left her job as an as a in at Accenture as as a consultant um, to pursue social media full time. And she's starting a company now. And like she knows a lot about influencers and social media. And like, I mean, at this point, I was an influencer, but like I didn't know the behind the scenes of things. So I was like really fascinated. And I was like, I I just damned her. Like I went to her Instagram and her YouTube and I watched a couple of videos and I followed her. And I reached out to her and I was like, hey, like I see that you're doing this. I think it's super cool. I'm a law student. I have to write a paper to graduate. And I want the paper topic to be about this. I would love to chat with you and like know your sources. Where are you getting all this information from? How do you know all of this? That was it. That was, I did not want to work there. I did not know that I didn't, Rella didn't really exist yet. Like it was an idea at that point. The, there was no app. The app hadn't even been starting being built. There was nothing. The only people on the team at that point were her, her two co-founders and their two designers and, a de- and another developer. Like they were working on like a website mm-hmm. and like a concept and designing it. Like they had no idea what this would become. And this was June, July, around there. And she's like, she, well, she didn't answer. So I followed up a couple of weeks ago, later and she still didn't answer. So I followed up again and we're, we're debating. We don't know if it was three or four times, but one day we will go back and look, but that's a lot of messages to go back and look on. Um, have to but, pay a yeah. virtual assistant. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that needs its own assistant. Cause we talk, we have 400 conversations going on at any given time through Slack, through Instagram, through text, yep. like email, like it's a lot. Um, so we have like an, a standing 30 minute call every week. And I promise you five minutes of work gets done. And the rest of the time it's like us eating shit talking. Um, Cause we just have so much to tell each other always. Um, but yeah, so it was like three or four times I followed up and she finally answered. And she was like, okay, yeah, let's hop on a zoom. Like, sure. Like I'm in, like she, she says now, and you can hear her say it herself. Like, it was the persistence that she was like, okay, like, I'm curious, like, what the heck does this girl want? Like, this is interesting. Um, so we jumped on a zoom, we hit it off. And at the end of the call, she was like, you know, we're not hiring, but like, you have a lot of experience in this industry. And also as a lawyer, like as a law student going to be a lawyer, like, would you want to help me out in this? Because this is an idea that I have for Rella. And I was like, I'm not looking for a job either. Like I'm, I was literally at work at a law firm at this time while we were talking about this, like physically in the law firm. And, um, I got interrupted by my boss to go help a client. And I was like, please hold left, came back. She was, we were still talking and she said, do you want to work here? And I was like, I'm interested to see what it, what that would look like. So she's like, okay, let's have another zoom. And then we had another zoom and we talked offer and I was like, okay, yeah, I'll work there. And that was it. That's how I started working at Rella. It was really not as like crazy as everyone thinks it was. It wasn't like I was like this big fan, like, oh my God, I want to work here. I want to work here. Like Rella didn't post anything. It was, I was looking for information for my paper. Like I was so focused on school and like getting this paper done because it's required to graduate. And like, it's the bane of all of our existences while we're in school. It's the worst thing we have to do. One of them besides the bar exam, 
So it was like, this is a, you know, 17 page paper minimum. Like it's a big deal. That was all I was looking for. And yeah, it ended up being, we hit it off. We've become really good friends and Rella has grown into what it is today. And my role has expanded a lot. And, you know, I've been there for eight months almost like it's, it's insane, but yeah, it, it, that was really what it was. It wasn't, but like I, I said all about a law school at the beginning, cause it like, I needed to set up the fact that like, this really was just for school. Like, and I had people supporting me along the way. Like every time I tell people like what I'm doing or what I'm going to be doing, they're like, that's super cool. Like, how did you like, how did you find that? Because yep, there's a yep. one way to do law school. And then I'm completely doing it like totally different, but they think it's really cool and it's refreshing. And a lot more people are starting to do that. Yeah, for sure. Um, Okay. All right. So then what, what are your current job duties, responsibilities and whatnot at Rella? What falls under your purview? Yeah. So the app is completely, so I'm on the team and like, I'm in not, I'm not in the development meetings and I'm not in all of the marketing meetings, but we have a team call every morning, a Monday morning where we talk about what's going on broad view that week. So I'm in that and I'm in like, I know what's going on and I test the app and all of that. I don't work on the app side. What I do is I help manage influencers and I do PR. So I help on the marketing side with the PR in the sense that I pitch Natalie to podcasts mm-hmm. to get her on other podcasts to talk about Rella. Um, and I help with marketing campaigns and finding influencers, sourcing influencers, building partnerships for influencers and Rella. And then we manage a couple influencers. So I help with their brand deals that are incoming, or I pitch them to brands and I negotiate their contracts and I help them partner with brands. So what do you, what do you use to manage the influencers and whatnot? Use like Excel spreadsheet or like, what do you use? All email and all us. It's just like, we, like we have Excel spreadsheets that do help us, but it's really like, especially with the campaigns and stuff, like the, the girls that we manage ourselves, like it's just us, like a lot, it's all through email text conversations. Um, Yeah. But yeah, that's pretty much what I do. I just, I, I am on the Rella team, but I do more of the marketing and social media management, um, influencer side PR, that kind of thing. Got it. Okay. All right. So then back to big picture influencing and creator economy stuff. When, when you look at the, the future, um, (laughs) what are your thoughts on, so like, so for instance, some of the things that I've seen, I found Natalie through Shelby church. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm a huge fan of Shelby. I think she's awesome. Um, and so I, one of the things I've seen is a lot of the creators that were growing and doing pretty well, like the last three, four five years, right in there, like currently are like struggling with content ideas and struggling with knowing like what they want to do, what sort of things they want to be working on. They, they're willing to work, but they feel like they don't have a good grasp of what sort of stuff they want to do. And Shelby's an example of that. Um, so several other, you know, influencers and YouTubers and whoever else that I follow, I feel like kind of fall in the same boat. Um, so I'm curious what you think, what your take on that is and what you think kind of the next evolution of content in the space might look like, I mean, who knows, right. But might look like. 
Yeah. So with the first part, I think a big reason that that is happening to a lot of creators that have been doing this for a while and who had established followings and, you know, were full-time influencers, so to speak, is because now TikTok has come in and created a whole new category of influencers and the micro influencers have taken over and like it's you know very you know curated niche content or you know you go to certain people for certain things like you know and so the people who are very broad lifestyle creators have kind of struggled with you know still being a lifestyle creator because people are gravitating towards like following one person for this, another person for this, and a third person for this. Mm-hmm. And people have lost their attention span because of TikTok. People don't want to watch YouTube anymore. And, you know, Instagram has completely got it, like not gotten rid of, but like they basically shit on people who don't post reels. And like, it's all about video content. And, you know, Instagram was always a photo sharing platform. And I think people are struggling with finding what to create and how to grow their audience. But I think it's important to remember that you need to foster the audience you already have. And the people who have been successful throughout the last few years with this big shift is that that they're, you know what, I'm just going to focus on the content that I already create, that I love creating in the audience I already have. And you kind of just have to tune out the noise and like, if you're already established on YouTube, TikTok is a good for repurposing content and like for sharing what you're already doing to get, attract a new audience, but you don't need to now grow a huge following on TikTok. Like it's like, there's people who do TikTok and then there's people who do YouTube and like, you can do both, but like you have to, at some point you're going to have to pick a platform that is going to be your main platform. There's always one main one and then several other like, um, periphery ones Mm -hmm. so yeah I think that's part of why the struggle and like not feeling like you know having ideas and really struggling to come up with content is because the way we consume content has changed and what people are looking for has changed but personally like TikTok is not my platform um I prefer podcasts I prefer YouTube. I don't have a YouTube channel at this time. I want to start one eventually. You know, I like watching YouTube. I prefer longer form content. And I like, I still like images on Instagram over video because I can literally feel myself getting stupid. Like just (laughs) sitting there, like scrolling and like, I'm not even processing what's going on because it's going so fast. Like all of those trends that are like a hundred little pictures, like super fast. I hate that. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, I hate you. (laughs) It's like I'm not seeing anything. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd rather see a collage, like a carousel post, like Mm -hmm. so I can see the images. And like I, I I, I know it's a very unpopular opinion, but like I really struggle to enjoy video content like that. So when I even create stuff like that, I do like 10, 15 images and a lot slower, so you can really see what I'm sharing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's like. To answer the first part, I think it's just because the way people have consumed content has changed and shorter from content is big now. But I mean, even that, like we're already slowly starting to shift back to longer form content because I think people thing and stuff, people realize that like 
I don't know, like you want more. Um, but that's the problem. It's like, you always want more. So it's like, you're consuming more. And I, I, I don't like going on TikTok because I can spend hours on there and I don't learn anything. And I feel like I'm wasting my life away. Um, so I'd rather have YouTube playing in the background while I'm doing something else or reading a book or watching a movie or something, um, or listening to a podcast. And then where I see it going in the future, I think it's more important now once you have an established audience. So if you are just starting out now, foster the audience you do have. Even if you only have 100 followers, that's an audience. Foster that, really tune into what they want, and the more people will gravitate to it because they they know what to expect from you. Um, if you're just doing things to go viral and you're doing trends all the time, it's not sustainable that way. And that's a whole another topic for discussion. But once you have already built an established audience and there's not one number that means you're established, that's up to you for your lifestyle, for your niche or whatever. But once you have that, how are you serving your audience? So it's like you're either have a service, a product, or you're providing some sort of value to them, whether it's entertainment value or educational value. Like, what are you giving your audience? Because it's not enough anymore to just watch videos on TikTok or YouTube. It's like, how can you help them? How can you be of service to them? What can you provide them? And I think that's the big shift is people becoming entrepreneurs. Like influencing has become a career path now, but the influencers were going to sustain themselves long-term. They're not just influencers. They're not just full-time influencers. They're going to be entrepreneurs, business people. They're going to have businesses, whether that's Rella, like an, like an app like Rella, or it's a clothing line or it's merch or it's a book or becoming an actress or a singer, or, you know, you need to diversify your, your reach and your, 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 um, your brand, like, yeah. And you can have multiple brands as well. So like I have, my personal brand is Kayla Moran and I also have a podcast that is a separate brand, but they are connected. Um, there's a couple other things that I'm working on in the future, you know, but it will be connected to me obviously, cause it's me, but it's going to be a different brand. Um, and then I'm going to always have my legal career as well. Natalie has Natalie Barbu, her platforms, and then Rella and a couple other business ventures, you know, down the road, potentially like Shelby church. She has, you know, um, I forget the name of it now, but the Palm Springs, um, Airbnb that she's doing racquetball um, club. Yeah. So I knew something with a sport, but I couldn't remember like yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, I have yet to have my coffee this morning. Um, but yeah, like, you know, or Serena Kerrigan, let's fucking date. Like, you know, Mariana Hewitt and Lauren Ireland, Summer Fridays. Like you see like these people, like a lot, all the girls who are, have clothing lines, like you have to diversify your platforms. And I think that's the future of it. Like you can't just do it like, oh, I want to have a hundred thousand followers and I want to make money on Instagram by posting pretty pictures. Like it's not, that's not enough anymore. So, okay. So like on that line, I, I'm, I'm, something I've always wondered when looking at the majority of influencers in this category is it seems to me like you mentioned like merch, right? Everyone and their mother has merch. Right. And I, I only need, you know, two or three sweatshirts. I don't need five. Yeah, I'm not a merch person. 
I, so uh, my basic question is like, why do you think there's so little creativity from naturally creative people? Why do you think there's so little creativity when it comes to that, you know, essentially that diversification? Uh, Like, I don't get it. It's the status quo. It's people seeing what other people are doing and they're being successful. So they're going to copy them because it's tried and true instead of doing what's authentic to them. And little by little, we're starting to see people do things that haven't been done before or haven't been done the same way. I was talking about this with a friend last week or the week before. Like, I have a couple of business ventures that I'm planning that I have in the works, just like very surface level, like concepts at this point, because I'm still in school. I don't have the money to do anything, but like in the future, (laughs) but I'm already starting to brainstorm. And it's like a lot of my ideas have been done before but not in the way that I'm doing it. So that's Mm -hmm. what's going to make it unique to me. And because no one else is me and has my experience and background and perspective and vision, it's never going to be replicated, even if someone tries to copy what I'm doing later. Um, You know, and I think if I were to just, you know, like one of the ideas that I have, and I'm not going to say what it is, but let's say like, I just like, I see someone else doing something like that. And I just go and copy their business model. It might be successful, but would it be sustainable? I think there's a difference between that success and sustainability. Like they're two different things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I also wonder if there's, I, I, well, I think I don't just wonder, I think that there's also a factor of truly doing something different in like in the category of different that we're talking about requires a lot more work than taking a, you know, a sweatshirt and putting a different design on it. Right. Like there's established systems for, you know, merch product, there's established systems for, you know, a drink product. And I think that when it comes to the, I'm going to do something truly different or truly diverse from, you know, what's a more common tried and true option. There's a huge learning curve to it. Often that means you have to be working quite a bit, you know, more to achieve it. So like, I feel like the situation with Shelby and racquetball club is a great example, right? She has, yeah, she has no experience in actual Airbnb management and, you know, whatnot, but she did a couple of videos with Airbnb managers on her main channel and she and her sister go and buy this place in Palm Springs. They go through this renovation process, you know, think, you know, and thankfully for her, her dad was, you know, able to be involved. She mentioned him helping a lot and things like that. Um, and she was able to monetize that process right through her vlogs and a little bit on her channel. I think she did like one or two videos. Um, and then, but right, right after that, she was like, all right, I'm done. Like that was way too much work. Right. But right now what she's doing, she's actually, you know, looking at doing another spot potentially. in I think like Joshua tree. Um, and so that's when I think of an influencer like that, right. She's got 1.6 something follower, 1.68 million, I think on YouTube, right. If she built four or five different Airbnbs across the country, like she has people in all those areas, visiting all those areas that she has direct marketing to. Right. And I think like she could build a brand around that if she wanted to, but building a separate brand around that and putting in all the work to manage something like that is a second full-time job. Like that's, and there's a huge learning curve to it. And I think it's hard to go from, and this is not against Shelby. This is just in general. I think it's, I would assume it's hard to go from I'm filming interesting things going on in life or, you know, interesting topics to, I actually have to sit down and grind this out. But I think that's with 
that's why I'm saying like, it's not enough to just post pictures or videos anymore. Like there's you to share your life. That's how it started. You know, yep. Natalie, for example, even me, I started a YouTube channel when I was 15 too. Did I pursue it? No, but if I would have stuck with it, I could have gotten to the point where Natalie is at now because we started at the same time. We're the same age. We're a year apart. Um, you know, all of these girls start off just sharing their life, YouTube online. Yeah. They have transitioned into business people because being an influencer is a business running, being an influencer, managing brand deals, partnerships in order to be a full-time influencer, you have to be making a significant amount of money and you're going to have team like there's no way you're going to do it on your own the people who do it on their own like i don't know how they do it and there are very few of those people because they're they need teams so you gain experience running a business doing this so you can actually transition it fairly well to a different type of business venture but yeah there is going to be that learning curve and you're going to need a different type of support team but you have management experience you have team experience you know what running a business is like. So I think you need to go into it. Like if you are going to be an influencer now, it's not enough to just be an influencer. You're going to have to be a business person. You're going to have to treat it like a business. It's not enough to just share your life online anymore. And if you are doing it as a completely side hobby, and if you make money on the side, great, but like you're not looking for it to be, like if you are a doctor and you're just creating content online on TikTok about what it's like to get it to med school or how to get through med school or how to become a doctor and you were always going to be a doctor, then that's a different story. Originally, that was my plan to just share my life and my experience of law school and pursue a career in traditional law. I realized that that was not the path for me. I'm actually a business person. I'm actually an entrepreneur and I'm going to use my law degree to allow me to do more things as a business person. AKA, I don't need to hire a lawyer to do some of the contract work for me. I can do it myself. If I want to file a trademark for my business, I can do that myself. And I have friends who are lawyers in those fields that are helping me do those things. And of course I'm paying them, but like they are allowing me to do it myself. So I learn how to do it. So then eventually if I want to pursue that area of law as a lawyer for other people, I have the experience to do so. But like, it depends. Like you have to like you have to have a vision, like, what kind of influencer do you want to be? And that can change over time. That, that's totally okay. But like from the outset, are you doing this as a hobby or as a business? You have to be strategic about it. And I think, you know, nowadays, you if you want it to become a business later, you have to start off with that mentality. If you are just doing it for fun and it turns into a business later, that's great, but it's going to take, it took these girls 10, 15 years to get there. So think about that. Versus if you just do it as a hobby for fun and you don't plan for it to become a business of its own, if it does by happenstance, great. But if that's not your your goal, then that's okay. You can just do it for fun and you can do it kind of aimlessly. But I think the reason why the TikTok girls who are sharing how to become an influencer and how to make it a business is so popular is because the, there's a strategy behind it and it's a personal strategy to every single person but there needs to be a strategy. And I think that's the vision, the shift that we're going to see in the future is that what's your strategy? What's your goal? What's your end goal? And of course it's going to change. And like more and more people are coming up with multiple businesses, like Sivan Ayla. She had Lux Unfiltered first because everyone would ask her about her tan. And then she came out with a bathing suit and workout wear line. You know, her friend Lily 
came out with the bodysuit collection because that was her go-to thing. You know, these people like um, Amber Filler up with Day, like the, the, champ, the hair care brand, like they took things that were natural in their own lives that people were already asking them about, uh, them about and made that a business. But Amber also came out with a hair extension line. Actually, don't know which one came first, but like she was, they each have multiple business ventures. So it's like, be strategic about it. And it's going to evolve over time within, in and of itself, but like you have to have a strategy. And I think that's the vision for the future. And that's what I'm doing. Like, again, like I said, like I thought I was just going to share my life online as I was going to be a lawyer and bring you along the process to show that you can be a lawyer and also be creative and be fun and have a life outside of the off the law office. But I realized in reality, like that's not the life I want. I actually am a business person at heart and I'm going to pursue being a business person and share that side of my life online. But I'm not looking to be an influencer full-time and make that my primary business venture. I'm going to have other businesses and I'm just sharing the behind the scenes of all of those as an influencer. And I think that's where we're going, that these girls, Shelby is going to be managing multiple Airbnbs and she's just sharing the process with you on YouTube and on Instagram. But like her main role and her main financial venture is going to be the actual Airbnbs themselves, not talking about Airbnbs on YouTube. Yeah. Yep. I like that. Okay. So another factor that I've been mulling around or end over is, and obviously we're broadly speaking, um, we're about to be broadly speaking, um, is guys versus gals in the influencer space. Right. So when I look at the space and like, I've been perusing it for a while now at the very beginning, a lot of like the YouTubers who got big were <clears throat> like on the guy side, right? Casey Neistat and like these big YouTubers and Jesse and um, like all these, like those sorts of characters, at least from this is my journey. So like, again, it could be totally different for other people, but like, those are the people like, oh, we all know their name. And then like fast forward 10 years later, I've now started discovering a bunch of females who have, you know, millions of followers. I'm like, I never even heard that person's name. (laughs) But then when I look at the current space, I don't see any guys really doing much influencing or creating other than some in like financial space and some in, um, dang it. What was the other one I was thinking of? I lost it. Some in the financial space. And I guess you have some in like the different DIY and project spaces, things like that. Right. But when I think about Instagram, TikTok, like actually like focusing on influencing as a business, I see majority female, like take Rella, for example, the Rella Slack group. Like as far as I've seen so far, I'm the only dude in there. And I'm like, I'm not even really an influencer creator. Well, I guess I'm sort of a creator because of the podcast and things like that, but I'm not really, not really an influencer. It's just one of the things that I you know, pursue and I'm interested in from a business perspective. <laughs> um, and so I don't know, I'm curious, like, if you have any thoughts on that or like, cause I don't know quite what to make of it. Like when I think about, even I think about me growing in the space, I'm like, how would someone like me grow in the space when there, I would, I feel like there are fewer guys who are doing this sort of thing versus gals. Um, and like, there's way more vloggy stuff and day in my life stuff and chatty vlog stuff. Right. I never see guys doing any content like that. Um, maybe if there's a couple, they'll do something along those lines. Um, yeah. but I don't know. I'm just like, that's just a general thing that I've been trying to parse through. Curious if you have any takes. <laughs> Hot takes. Yeah. So I know there's a couple other guys in the Rella group, but I think you're one of the more active ones. Um, but with like, 
so I know there's a lot of gamers too. So yeah, there's a lot of DIY. That's the, that's the one I forgot. That's the one I forgot. Financial yes. like advice stuff, business related content, productivity like Gary V, and then the gamers. Um, and I know those are super popular. And yeah, I think those are the like the the men who want to be in the creator spaces are usually the 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 fields that they kind of go into. Who's to say that more won't do like the vlogs and day of their life stuff? I think. It's just like a society perception thing, maybe why they don't do it. Not that anything is stuck, like no one's gatekeeping them from doing it. <laughs> yes. It's them themselves to just want to do it. But I think maybe like, because it's like perceived as like, oh, it's a girly thing to do. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I don't know why there isn't more guys doing that side of things other than maybe the societal perception part of yeah. it. But um, I think, yeah, I, I notice that a lot of times when I do see guys on my YouTube or anything, it's like in a couple, like, which mm-hmm. is fine. Um, I will not be one of those people personally, like to bring my partner into like my content, if he wants to be a part of it, sure. But like, I'm not going to make him and I'm not making a couple's channel. That is totally not my thing. Um, Natalie and I talk about this all the time. <laughs> um, we're like, we're soft launch. Well, she has a boyfriend, but like I'm, I will soft launch and like I, like casually here and they're like, oh, like if the door slams, it's like sorry, he just got home. Like, but like I'm not gonna be like, hey, come here, like come say hi to the vlog. Like, no, kill me if I say those things. Um, I will not make a couple YouTube channel. My Instagram feed won't be like. What the heck is going on? Okay, whatever. Um, my Instagram feed won't become, yeah, the power is like coming in and out. So sorry. <laughs> it's all good. Um, but uh, yeah, I won't be like that type of person. But I think so. When we, let me ask you about it from this angle, right? When you when when smaller influencers are thinking about creating content, right? I I would think there's a difference between creating as a gamer, right? I'm creating content that I think you know. 15 year old, you know, 12 to, or 10 year olds and above young, you know, boys, um, young men like want to watch versus like maybe when I'm doing a chatty vlog, it's more in line with like what I think, you know, younger females and whatnot want to watch when an influencer is thinking about their strategy, how much of it is, do you think comprised or should be comprised of them saying, this is the sort of stuff I want to do. Like maybe I want to do a chatty vlog maybe not, it's not really my style, but I'm just saying if versus like saying, well, I feel like the audience that I want to target is going to interact more in line with X content. And I, I'm sure there's a balance there, but I'm, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on it from that standpoint, strategizing yeah, your content? It is a balance. I think you need to think what is your target audience is one question you need to ask, but also the printer. What is the content? Okay. What is the content that you like to see yourself? What do you want to watch? What content do you wish? Can you turn off? Printers are the worst. They always are acting. I hate up. this printer with the <laughs> passion. Um, like so, the first yeah, you need to think what is your target audience, and that can change over time, and it will change as you grow and you evolve as a person. But also you need to think because you're going to evolve as a person, what pillars of content, like, do you want to have? Like, and then also 
what's the content that you want to see? What content are you feeling like is missing out there? Where is there a white space? How can you use your personal life, your experiences, your expertise, your background, whatever, to create content for people, provide value. You need to be providing some sort of value. So how are you providing value? What do you have? That you, what can you bring to the table? How, what value can you provide? And then having your pillars that reflect those things and then knowing your target audience because the target audience is going to inform how you create the content, like how you edit it, what platforms you're on, that kind of thing. But like, you need to know first and foremost, forget the audience because you're going to start with zero. So what do you want to see? What do you want to create? What makes you feel good? What can you show up online every single day and talk about at nausea? Yeah. And it, I, I, so like on that specific point is I think as someone who's like been through this process and I'm continuing to be in this process is I think my immediate response is like, well, no, shouldn't I want to make content that I think will grow, that will get eyeballs. And I think the reason that, 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 that is not the answer. I mean, maybe if that's what you want to do, right. But in and of itself, if that's not the answer, the reason that that's not the answer in and of itself is because you're going to be doing and making this content for months, if not years without, before you achieve like true traction, uh, you know, assuming you don't ramp well, like, the algorithm yeah, and blow so, up. Yeah. If you rapidly blow up, that's great. Good for you. You went viral, but like, how are you going to sustain that virality? Yeah. Either so, way, it's the consistency over time, especially yeah. at the beginning. It's about, so everyone asks like, how do you grow following? Be consistent, show up. And that doesn't mean every single day. If you, that like, so it means showing up every single day, but doesn't mean every day has to be brand new stylized photo shoot, amazing content. It could be three posts a week and stories every single day. That's a lot more sustainable. Or you batch content on Saturday. So you have a picture to post Monday through Sunday, you know, or whatever, like yep. however you, however consistency works for you. Some people post, like I used to post every single day. Now I post when I freaking feel like it but I'm on stories every day. So people, and like on the off chance, I'm not on stories. Like I will get people asking me if I'm okay. Cause I'm not on stories. And you know, so it's up to you to decide what consistency means, but you need to be consistent because you want longevity, not virality. That's the way you're going to make this a business. That's the way that you're going to grow an audience. Because like I said, you start with zero, but little by little, your friends and your family are going to come first. And then they're going to word of mouth. Hey, did you see what this person posted? And that person's going to say that to their friend and it's going to grow from there. So you want to, as you start building an audience little by little, you want to foster the audience you already have. And that means creating the content that you're already creating that people seem to gravitate towards that They're liking with engaging with commenting, sharing. That's the content that you know is going to get you a, a, a loyal fan base. And then sprinkle in the, the TikToks that are fun and trendy to get you eyeballs. But like you can't do only the trendy things because the trends, they're different every single day. So what are you, what's your constant? Yeah. So it's yeah. like, yeah, you need to have consistency. I think the key is longevity, not virality. And like, if you go viral, amazing. But like, you need to have a plan 
to sustain it. Like one of my friends, Sarah, just went viral for her detergent hack. She taught people how to make detergent because she made her own detergent at home. Detergent's very expensive. She went completely viral. Now she has shifted her content. She still does some trends here and there. She's like, okay, people like me for home hacks on TikTok. That's going to be my pillar. So she, she transitioned and made her viral into a pillar. So that's a good way to do it as well. But it's because she loves talking about that. Like that is something that is a part of her life and she enjoys it. So she's able to, if imagine if I did the same video because Sarah did it, I'm going to do that as well. And I go viral because it's what Sarah went, did went viral for. That's not sustainable for me. I, I'm not going to create content like that again. Like, it's just not my thing. I think that turn tax cool. Am I going to do it? No. Um, not my, not my cup of tea. I'd rather go buy it because it's just easier for me, but she loves it. And that works for her. So like, that's her pillar. Um, you know, so, so what sort of, con- so pivoting here a little bit, what sort of content do you enjoy right now? Cause I know that I also, and the reason I'm saying right now, is because I know that the content I've enjoyed over the last 10 years has changed every four to 12 months, depending on what's going on. Yeah. Um, I really enjoy like lifestyle vlogs and like, which is like, oh, we were talking about like, it's not super sustainable anymore. Like you need to be doing something else, but like, I enjoy seeing people's lives and what they're up to because I love trying new things and incorporating new things into my life and seeing I'm always evolving as a person. So I like to see people's routines, people's day in their lives, what their work life looks like. Um, and that's just me personally. Like I'm not one to watch like one person for just this. I like a variety of content. So I like watching people kind of talk a little bit about everything. I'm not super into like the niching down thing and I don't consume that content either. Personally, that's a very unpopular opinion. Go talk to somebody else about that. Like I, prefer watching a holistic person because I'm a holistic person. I'm a multi-hyphenate. I'm a multifaceted person. So I enjoy surrounding myself with other people who are that way as well. So that's the content I like to see. Um, you know, I, I like watching productivity type stuff, like business related things, because that's kind of where I'm at in life. And I love hearing about people's like careers, like vlogs. So like day in my life as a lawyer, day in my life as a doctor, day in my life as a nurse, like I love seeing those types of things because I'm like, how do they navigate having a full-on career outside of creating content? Because for the last few years, that has been my life. My career is a student. And then I've also had a life online. So I think, yeah, those are the types of content I create, but I know, and then the con- the type of content I consume and the type of content I create is very similar. I use Instagram and TikTok and kind of as vlogs. I just vlog my life. Um on stories and on TikTok, and my podcast is a way for me to connect with other people and share their stories and be a vehicle for them to share their stories and I'll share my stories every once in a while here and there on my podcast um but I think as I transition now into a career person you'll see my content start to change and I'm not gonna be talking about law school as much anymore obviously I'll be talking about confidence and wellness and mental health which have always been important to me and I've always talked about I'm focusing a lot more on that focusing a lot more on productivity and business related content and, you know, 
the behind the scenes of starting my own business and, you know, finding a career path for me as a lawyer and, you know, like that kind of thing. So I think it's important to, yeah, the content you're going to consume is going to evolve as you evolve. And it's important to keep evolving, which is again, why the whole virality thing doesn't work because your con your audience is going to evolve. And if you're not evolving, they're going to drop you. So you want to be evolving with your audience. And that way you're also attracting a new audience every couple months when yep. what you're yep. talking about changes. Um, like for example, like this is a bad example because she's more of a entertainer than an influencer, but Jojo Siwa, like, you know, she's like what 19 and she was still dressing like a 15 year old or like a 12 year old. And like her audience was little kids. She's now an adult and trying to change her audience to match where she's at in life, which I respect. I just think it should have happened a lot earlier for her. And she's struggling with that now because her audience was so like one demographic, but she was in a completely different space in her life. And so I'm interested to see how that works out for her. And I, I wish her all the best because, you know, she could be a really great role model for so many people, but she almost didn't allow herself to be because she was focusing on the audience she already had that was bringing her fame and money and success. So other examples are actors who get typecast in roles or think about Disney channel stars. These people are paying, playing 16 and 17 year olds and they're 30. Yeah. And then they're stuck playing high school roles forever. And then it gets to the point where they're like 50 and now they can't work anymore because we only knew them as teenagers. So. Yeah. Matthew, uh, did you ever listen to Matthew McConaughey's story when he was doing like his uh, PR tour for his book, Green Lights? No, I didn't. Yeah. So he basically, he talks about this. Um, he did like with Tim Ferriss. He might've done a Joe Rogan. He might've done another one. Um, but basically he, he was being typecast as like the romantic comedy character oh i I do think i saw this on an article but i didn't like hear the short like the podcast yeah so like he basically was you know he wanted like legit roles and he would take them to you know he would find a legit role whatever and he'd take it to producer and producers like no or director or whoever and be like no like you're really the comedy guy so finally he told his agent like all right i'm not responding to any like you know asks for me to be in a romantic comedy i'm only interested in serious roles and basically he stopped getting phone calls for like 18 months or something crazy like a really long time zero work and then finally one day someone called about one thing and then you know from there it developed but he literally had to go into like basically blackout mode would not do anything but crazy right but that's a great case in point of somebody who's like committed to saying i know where i want to go I'm willing to commit to the pain in the moment that it's going to take. And that's where like Jojo's at, right? She wasn't willing to endure that pain, you know, a few years ago or what, however long. And I mean, that's, and that's fair. I mean, it's hard. It's totally fine. Yes, exactly. It's hard. And, but I think, as I'm saying, you have to have a vision long-term Yes. and every couple months you need to check in with yourself. Am I still on that path? Has that goal changed? That's okay too. And for like my goal has changed a lot. Like if you could have met me, I was talking about this yesterday with someone really close to me. Like if you could have seen me three years ago, like I was telling him, I was like, when we met two years ago, two and a half years ago, neither of us were in the right headspace to be in a relationship, which is obviously why it didn't work out. And, but like, we've both come a really long way in those two and a half years. 
Like we're completely different people. We want different things now and our visions have changed and we have changed. And that's kind of where we're like, we're at the point now where it's like, okay, like, Hmm, but it's the same thing. Like you're, you, you, like, it's okay. The vision has changed, but like, are you still working towards the old one? Or have you evolved and pivoted to work towards the new ones? If you're still working to the old ones, but the vision is changing, you haven't checked in, like you're going to go nowhere. And it's scary. It's really hard to stop doing what is working for you and take that blackout period. But I think it's more rewarding when you do. And I mean, I had to do that for me, like my career, like, you know, while, even while I was in law school, like I wasn't getting all my classes were going to interviews and talking to these big firms and getting fancy job offers. And I was like, I have nothing. But then I look at my talk to professors and like I was talking at the beginning and she was like, I was never worried about you. Like I knew you were going to be fine. You were going to go places. Like you have something about you that like you were going to be fine. My deans have told me that my other professors have told me that my parents have told me that. And like, first of all, for my parents to say that I was like, Oh, okay. Because I always felt like I was a failure. And that I wasn't good enough. And for them to be like, I'm not worried about you. And it's like, I thought they were. Um, I, I genuinely thought that they thought I was crazy for wanting to pursue the social media route. And they definitely are cautious, but they're like, we support you. As long as you have your ducks in a row and you know that you need to support yourself enough to pay car, car insurance, health insurance, 401k, buy a house, sustain yourself like financially, yep. do whatever the hell you want. I support you because we know emotionally that's what you need and be and they know that because they've seen me in the last couple of years really come into my own through my mental health struggles and you know that's not everyone's choice like path but that was mine and they support me that my professors my dean support me in that too so it's okay for the goal to change but have a goal have a vision and I someone asked me the other day you know how am I so confident how am I so sure of myself when I don't have a job offer and I don't really know what's going on in my career. And it's like, look at, I look at my life in five, eight, 10, 15 years from now, where I want it to be. And it's not a goalpost. It's just a vision. And I work backwards. How am I going to get there? And that's kind of how I'm doing it. And, you know, evolving as I go, it's not a hard and fast rule. And I think with being a creator, it's just, it's the same thing. It's like, you don't have to know a business venture you're going to do right now when you start, because that's probably going to change, but have an idea. Do you know, do you want this to become just a hobby or do you want this to become a sustainable business enterprise? And that requires having multiple streams of income, multiple business ventures, a lot of the times. And that could just be Instagram and a podcast. Those are two different platforms. Those are two completely different business ventures. They're related though. Um, or, you know, YouTube and a clothing line or a book or whatever. Um, there's so many things you can do as a creator now, guy or girl. And, you know, I think it's, that's the beauty of it is that you don't have to follow what someone else is doing to be successful and you shouldn't. Yeah. And, you know, try a little bit of everything from everyone and see what works for you. Create the content that you want to see and have a vision for yourself And that's why I like following lifestyle creators and like watching like vlogs because it's like, they're just being themselves. And I get inspiration from them being themselves as much as they're willing to show us. Cause obviously that's not all of them Mm -hmm. because 
then it inspires me to show up as myself every single day. And, and I hope by me doing that, I inspire other people around me. And that's just, you know, that's always been my goal. And I think that's, that should be everyone's goal is that like by showing up online, creating the content you want to see for yourself, you are helping people or inspiring people or entertaining them or whatever. But at the end of the day, you are providing value to them in some way, shape or form. Yeah. Yep. I love that. I love the, the providing value to them in some way. I think that that's really key. Um, yeah. So I like that. That's a good, that's a good, that's a good, that's a good place to end. Yeah, I think so too. If not, we'll keep going forever, but I do have the whole time we're talking. I'm like, there's so many things. There's like, you know, so many tangents we could talk about literally everything. So (laughs) yeah, I, uh, I have a, like a 3L appreciation luncheon at noon and it's 1110. So I really should go, but I'm glad that, um, I got to come on again and talk about this. And as always, like, you know, I'll happily come on and talk about anything else or anything your audience wants me to talk about, or they can come chat with me always. Um, but yeah, I think just like parting thoughts, like, I think, like I said at the end, like, it's just important to like work backwards, like look at yourself, like look at the life you want for yourself and how are you going to get there? How is the career path you're on, what you're studying, who you're with, like the friends you're with, the partner you're with, who you're surrounded by, like your environment, like how is all of those things going to get you where you want to be? And if you think that one of them is not working out for you, it's time to look inward and really reevaluate that. And that's so scary and it's so hard, but I was telling him yesterday, like, I truly like would not be where I am at today, who I am today. Had I not come to law school and everything that has happened to me or happened for me, happened like it all worked out the way that it was meant to as much as it sucked at times but you know what we made it we're here and now i have 38 days till graduation which is freaking nuts and i just can't freaking wait so yeah i'll leave you guys with that yeah very exciting and congratulations of course on uh on all your hard work and uh i hope you have a a, an awesome luncheon (laughs) thank you i'll talk to you later all right take care